Oh God, King of glory, you have exalted your Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. This Sunday is Ascension Sunday. Um, Ascension, I think, was Thursday. It was Wednesday or Thursday. My days are mixed up. Thursday? Yeah. And um, next Sunday will be Pentecost Sunday. And so I'll preach, I'm planning to preach a sermon that I've preached over the years um, and come back to as kind of a mission statement um, that I do think a lot of you newer folks haven't heard. So it'll be fresh for you. But it'll be on the filling of the Spirit. Of course. One of the words that we don't often associate with Christianity, especially these days in our culture, is the word fun. <laughs> like, when have you heard Christians are fun? Is that a description that is often passed along? You guys are just so... Oh, just, yeah. <laughs> Individual people, they're fun, right? But Christians as a whole, I don't know that we're described as fun in the culture. Hopefully we're having fun, um, but and I find my faith to be serious fun. And that's what I want to talk about tonight: is how fun is a serious thing for us as Christians, and we're gonna we need to deal with this. Um, part of the problem is that we live in a culture that doesn't really understand fun. Okay, uh, especially my generation and younger. Like our native language is sarcasm, and. Um, that is just how we operate all the time. And some of you also, I mean, that is our culture. We, we speak like that, right? Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm never sarcastic. <laughs> but have you noticed people making jokes? Um, a couple weeks ago, I went and I, I played an open mic here in town at, um, at a local bar here. And I'm trying to get out and play my music in different places. And that night they had... Um, these comics, these stand-up comics, local guys getting up and trying to get up there and give their, their spiel, they were the saddest group of people. Like these guys, their stories were not funny. They were just painful. You were just going, oh, talking about surgeries, talking about, you know, just issues in their life where you were going, please stop, I want to cry and just hug you. You know, you're, this is not funny. Um, and when we live, if you listen to kids at school, they tell jokes about the most inappropriate things. Like seriously, about Nazis, about dead babies. I mean, things that you're like, not funny. But we live in a culture that has this dark edge of humor to it all the time. Um, there's a bit that C.S. Lewis writes in the Screw Tape Letters. And if you know the Screw Tape Letters, the whole thing is this fictitious correspondence that's going from a senior demon, Uncle Screw Tape. To his, um, to his protege, his, his nephew. And so he's writing him on how to corrupt a person and to keep them from finding God. And he writes an argument that flippancy is the best state for corrupting a person. If you can get them to be flippant about anything, then they are so far from God. It's an interesting observation that he makes. Um, but then he writes about how joy, real joy and real fun 
kind of immunize people against the devil's work. So this is what um, Screwtape says. He says, I divide the causes of human laughter into joy, fun, the joke proper, and flippancy. You will see the first, joy, among friends and lovers, reunited on the eve of a holiday. Among adults, some pretext in the way of jokes is usually provided, but the facility with which the smallest witticisms produce laughter at such times shows that the jokes are not the real cause. What the real cause is, we as demons do not know. Something like it is expressed in much of that detestable art which the humans call music. And something like it occurs in heaven, a meaningless acceleration in the rhythm of celestial experience, quite opaque to us. Laughter of this kind does us no good and should always be discouraged. Besides, the phenomenon is of itself disgusting and a direct insult to the realism, dignity, and austerity of hell. Fun is closely related to joy, a sort of emotional froth arising from the play instinct. It is also of very little use to us. It can sometimes be used, of course, to divert humans from something else which the enemy, God, would like them to be feeling or doing, but in itself, it has wholly undesirable tendencies. It promotes charity, courage, contentment, and many other evils. It's an interesting point of view, because if this is true, then us having a good time is really important. And for us not to be a dour group of people who are just struggling through, we miss part of our mission and calling. Think about this whole series we've been doing is the Big C Church with the Little C Church. And the Big C Church, again, is the people of God across all time and space. And these are the people that right now, they are, from the Old Testament on, they're in the presence of the Lord. They're having fun. They are enjoying it. It is not, you know, you need to banish these ideas of the austerity of white clouds and halos and Oh, you know, I mean, maybe there's a little awe, you know, but, um, it, but it is raucous according to the Bible. It is like the voice of many waters when God speaks. It is multitudes and multitudes, and there is color and life and excitement, and it, we need to kind of be careful with our paintings and the things that we draw of what heaven is like because scripturally, it is a good time. The big C church is enjoying it. This is our destiny. We're not just going to float on clouds and get bored after, oh man, a thousand years I've been doing this. Give me a break. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be endless discovery. I had a friend who was telling me, um, there's that picture from Isaiah 6 where the angels are going over God and they just keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, and and his image that he got in prayer was that every time they just went over, they're like, whoa, that's cool. Oh, look at that. Holy, holy, holy. They're always seeing something that amazes and stirs their heart about God. And we need to capture this. Our little C church needs to take fun seriously. This is our mission. Um, And this is also, when I talk about us having fun, I want to be careful here. This is not to put a burden on people who are really suffering. Like, hey, 
cheer up, we gotta be fun. Okay, it's not that, and it's not to deny the reality of suffering. So let's start here, because the scriptures that we read tonight are such a beautiful balance of it. Serious fun is a way through suffering. And this is what I wanna point to. Christianity should never deny suffering. Jesus didn't. The Bible doesn't. Um, We don't confess suffering away. That kind of teaching is just not biblical to confess it away. It's not going away. You can confess all you like. You're still going to run into it. Our life is going to be suffering. We don't pray it away. We don't deny it by thinking about heaven. You know, set your eyes on things above. Get your eyes off your suffering. Have you tried doing that? Oh, it just adds to the suffering. It's painful because it's just real life is around us. Christians face suffering with the hope of redemption. So we have a perspective as we encounter suffering in our world that does carry us through. And it says, yeah, you know, there's illness, there's brokenness in our world, in relationships, there's brokenness all around us. And God is pulling us through to something. In, in that passage that, Marty, or that, that Doug read from 1 Peter, it says, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, <coughs> that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. We do have the hope of glory that pulls us through. We don't see it often. We get glimpses here. But it pulls us through. And then Peter goes on and he writes about this. And he's writing to people who really were, they were in persecution. They were living in difficulties. The Bible wasn't, hey, here's a good slogan for you. It was addressed, a pastor caring for people and saying, hey, I need to speak this word of encouragement to you. And so he goes on until in in chapter 5, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is how, we, when I talk about serious fun, I'm not, hey, let's all put paste the smile on. That's creepy. And we all know it's not real. But we need to remind each other of what is true and eternal. And that is the serious fun that we need to be about. So this call is not about pretending. This call is um, about us also expecting there's going to be additional suffering because we are numbered with Christ. We're going against the grain of this world system. So we can expect more trouble. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Yes, didn't simplify my life. But this call is to lift our eyes in worship. It's to celebrate the real joys in life. When we have those moments, savor them. To share the testimonies of blessing and to delight in the people around us, in beauty, to live fully. And here's the other thing about it. It's where I want us to lead into as we go into Ascension Sunday. To enjoy our special access to God through Jesus. Here is the great thing. When we talk about serious fun, we get to pray. Yes. Prayer is fun. Has this been your experience? 
prayer is fun. Sometimes, yeah. Hopefully some of us have had these experiences. Um, think about it. Maybe, maybe think about the last time you prayed today or last night or whenever it was. My confession is that I, I've been bored in prayer before. I've been there. Where the, okay, Lord, I'm struggling here and my brain is going elsewhere. My thoughts wander. Um, and usually when that happens, it's because I've turned prayer into something else. And this has been something the Lord recently has been dealing with me about. It's me coming to Jesus. And I, I have on my Evernote, I have a daily prayer list of, you know, needs and stuff and, and ongoing. It, it changes as situations change. I try to hold it and, and look at it. But sometimes it's like, um, Lord, I, here's my list. And I'm going through my list and, and I'm running through it. And, and I'm pouring it out again and again, and, and then the troubles, you know, the stuff that I'm dealing with. And I was doing that recently, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, hi, would you like to have a conversation? And I just felt that conviction to set aside my list, and to set aside my stuff, and to say, yeah, Lord, I really would like to just talk to you. I need to be with you. You know my list anyway. And I think that there's value sometimes in having a list and doing some of that. But isn't it great when you know you have the ear of Jesus? And it's so important. Today is Ascension Sunday. As, as, as the Lord's dealing with me about my own prayer life, and I'm looking at this text about Ascension Sunday, this event that happened, it, it saves us from kind of this pagan way of praying. Because the pagan way of praying is, I'm going to come and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really devout. Or I'm going to give this sacrificial thing and I'm going to get God's attention. And because I bring my sacrifice somehow, he'll, he'll answer me. That is not Christian prayer at all. This event, what happens here, saves us. Listen to the story again. It says, when they had come together, they asked him, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Kind of get the feel. Hey, hey, what are we about? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they're gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And Luke doesn't stop the narrative there. It's really important that he doesn't. That's why we had to say, Marty, don't sit down yet. <laughs> because <laughs> this next part, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath, day, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas the son of James, all the boys are here. 
all the eleven that are left. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Think of this scene. Over 40 days since the resurrection, the disciples had been having these random encounters with Jesus, where he's just popping up on the road, walking with them, breaking bread, showing up in a room where they are, you know, and, and appearing to all these different people. They didn't know when the next one was going to be. And so here's where I think the disciples were on this day. They're like, I've been meaning to ask him this. I've got this question. Lord, what's next? And so Jesus says, meet me on the Mount, Mount of Olivet. And so Jesus shows up there and they're like, okay, Lord, so before you go anywhere, here's my question. Are you ready to restore the kingdom of Israel? What do we need to start doing? And Jesus says, shh, it's not about that. It's not about that. You forgot. It's not about me restoring the kingdom of Israel. I'm going to clothe you with power, and you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And as he says that, he's lifted up. Those are his last words you know, that he gives to them. And, and I think this is amazing. He reminds them that the kingdom is bigger than Israel, that it's for the world. And as he rises up, imagine the moment. You're talking to him and he starts, he's just going up in the air. He, and he's, he's disappearing into the clouds before your eyes. And you're standing there. What's happening? This is the weirdest thing yet. Like we've seen him die. We've seen him resurrected. He's walked through doors. We've seen him walk on water. And now he's going into the sky. Their next move is to go back to where they had met, go into the upper room, and keep the conversation going. That's what they did. They went and said, okay, Lord, that was really cool. We need to keep talking. And they began to pray. It says they devoted themselves to prayer. And for the, the next 10 days until the day of Pentecost, they are just praying and they're having this ongoing conversation in preparation for the Spirit to be poured out on them. Um, this is what happens in real prayer when we're doing it like that as disciples. When we realize, oh, God is not just rattling around out there in the cosmos. Jesus is, oh, he left and he went way up into heaven, so far away. Can you hear me, Lord? But when we recognize that in him going, he is coming, actually. In him being ascended, he is actually opening the way for us to come into the Father's presence. And he's pouring out the Spirit. And so what, what, what we get is, as they pray on this day of ascension, and they begin to pray, like Jesus told them, pray for the Spirit. Ten days later, Jesus answers that prayer. He's listening to them and dumps out the Spirit, pours it out on them. It's answers to prayer. This is our privilege. This is the serious fun of the Christian life, that we have a God who hears us and is attentive. And it is about the relationship. Prayer is not about us learning a technique. Hey, if you pray this way, 
Remember, um, I think there was The Prayer of Jabez, a little book that came out, you know, a few years ago. And everyone, and it, was, it had some great things in it. Um, but, but we take these books on prayer. There's so many of them. And we take them as techniques. Oh, I'm going to try this and that. And it always comes back to, are you relating to God? Are you knowing who he really is from the scripture and through your experience? If your prayer is not fun, let me just ask you to consider a few changes. Because you need to have fun. It's serious fun. And if you're not connected with God in prayer, you're going to hinder us as a church from having a good time. So get over it, all right? Because this is serious, all right? So here's a, here's a few little changes you might try. Um, and, and I'm preaching to myself because I do this. You need to stop multitasking when you pray. <laughs> we do this, right? I mean... Drive and pray. That's good. Don't, just don't let that be the only time you pray. Work and pray. It's good. Just don't let it be the only time you pray. Um, watching TV and prayer. That's just never working for me. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I'm always trying to add prayer to something. And it cuts down. It's, it's a, if it's a relationship, you know how that goes with your friends and family members. When you are constantly multitasking, eventually they go, look at me. Stare me in the face. Give me your attention. Don't you think the Holy Spirit does that sometimes too? Stop multitasking. Give him your attention. Second thing you might consider is plan for prayer. Um, I remember when I was um, doing youth ministry and this young adult at a, at a retreat where we were doing was just talking about this experience they had had where they, they, they described it this way. Yeah, I had a date with Jesus. We all went, that's weird okay but they were serious and they had planned an evening where they had gone out for coffee or for a dessert or something and they just brought their journal and their bible and they just said i'm going to be with the lord i'm going to plan a time to go and sit with him for me a great time to do that is if i go on a hike um, I mean, that's how I, that's a great time for me to talk with my family members. It also works as a great time to pray because you're just, you're out and you're breathing and you are focused on the other person. You can sit down and just rest. So make time, um, go into your own upper room, whatever that is. Um, if that's a special place in your house, if that's your kitchen table, but make it, plan for it. And rediscover how near God is. Another, another thing you can do to, to stir it to life. Use other prayers to jump off of conversation. Christians, Jews, we have done this for centuries. The Psalms, they're all prayers. And use them, pray them, and use them as a jumping off place for your own prayer. Um, the Book of Common Prayer. That's not designed like, here's all the prayers you need, dude. Here's the Book of Common Prayer. Just pray this. You're good. The Book of Common Prayer was designed to say, hey, learn to pray and go further. Go and have your own relationship with prayer. Pray the prayers of uh, Peter and Paul that you find in Scripture. Um, pray the prayers of the saints, you know, Francis and, and Patrick, St. Teresa. You know, all of the, these are wonderful Prayers that can stir our hearts to learn new language and to have fun with it. You know, be poetic if you're a poet. Be simple if you're simple. But it's about relationship. It's about you. 
Open it up, man, and have fun. Enjoying prayer is really central to our Christian vocation. And I just want us to, to say that. As a church, the most, important prayer, the most important meeting we have every week is not this one. And it's not Alpha. It won't be the conversation. The most important meeting that we have is probably our least attended meeting. And that is the prayer meeting we have on Thursdays. And we just go and we prayer walk. And that is not a slam on anybody because we planned it when you're all working. Okay? <laughs> but it's just the importance of, even if it's a few of us, we're talking to the Lord about our church. We're praying for needs. That really is the most important thing, I think, for us. When we do the prayers of the people, it's important. Let it be serious fun. Um, Malcolm Guy, he invites us into the mystery of the ascension. He has this beautiful sonnet called Ascension. I want you, I want you to listen to it because I want you to open up to this idea that the ascension is not one of those events we often think about. But he captures what has happened here. He says, We saw his light break through the cloud of glory whilst we were rooted still in time and place. As earth became a part of heaven's story and heaven opened to his human face. We saw him go, and yet we were not parted. He took us with him into the heart of things. The heart that broke for all the brokenhearted is whole and heaven-centered now and sings. Sings in the strength that rises out of weakness. Sings through the clouds that veil him from our sight, whilst we ourselves become his clouds of witness and sing the waning darkness into light. His light is in us and ours in him concealed, which all creation waits to see revealed. It's this mystery of our life being hidden with Christ in God. And related to this idea that prayer is fun, we have to believe Jesus is fun. If Jesus is a bore, then why pray? What do we have to celebrate? We're just trying too hard. Sometimes I think Jesus is a bore. I've been doing this a long time, this Christian thing. And I, it's like, oh, this is what he's going to tell me. This is what it's going to be. This is what I'm expected to do. And it's because, once again... I'm seeing a caricature of him, not him as he is. Let's remember tonight, Jesus Christ is infinitely interesting. Like we could put that in a creed. He is infinitely interesting. He is always creative. He is always wise and strong. And According to my own experience and the experience of all of you, probably we would say this. Jesus surprises us. Has he surprised you this week? With something that he's spoken or something that he's, he's done in your heart where you're like, oh, I forgot you were like that. <laughs> he surprises us. We have this, this prayer that, that we read in the gospel, uh, John 17. And here it is, Jesus in this moment of suffering, 
And he's praying out of the anguish of his soul. And this is his prayer. He says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me. For they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours and yours mine. And my life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred on them as a gift through me so they can be one heart and mind as we are one heart and mind. Jesus, in this moment, he, he wasn't just, oh, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. If this cup can pass from me, we, we have that part of his prayer. But this is the same night this prayer from John 17. And Jesus is lifting his eyes, and John records it, this, this high priestly prayer where Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he's praying that the glory that he shared with the Father, now they would carry into the world. And then it goes on, and he doesn't pray just for them, but he prays for us. And we didn't read this part, but John 17, verse 21, it says, I'm praying not only for them, but for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them, you in me, then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. And it occurs to me this prayer for unity. Have you ever been in these Christian rallies where we try to be unified with different denominations or organizations and it's an ecumenical thing that we're doing in the city? Here's the element that is missing for most of them. Fun. They're not fun. They're so dang serious. We're going to be one so that the world will know that we're Christians. Well, if we're going to be one, let's enjoy each other. Let's figure out who each other really are. And then we might have a chance. And that is the vibe that you get from Jesus as he prays. Is the disciples... We're not under compulsion to be there. They loved being with Jesus. Even in the garden, as he's sweating blood, they wanted that. So, I'm just going to wrap up here. As a little C church, can you bring up that next graphic there? As a little C church, serious fun needs to be a part of our vibe. And so I call this graphic that, you know, you see around on our cards and stuff. This is the crossover vibe. This is what um, we have, we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Um, I think this is a vibe from the big C church that we need to carry in our local church. Okay, I think each of these things you see as we've gone through the book of Acts over the last few months. And I pray that this will be us. That at the center of who we are as a church will be the gospel, the cross, right? This is our heart. And that's where we started this, that this is what God has done in Christ. This is the thing that brings us together tonight. This is the thing that has transformed us. This is why we are the people that we are. 
is because the cross is at the center. Yeah, and you guys all have this on your seats. So you can paint it up and, you know, brainwash yourselves. That'd be great. Uh, no, no brainwashing. The second thing is, is we talked about worship, that we are a worshiping community. That there are other organizations that do mission and discipleship and Bible study, all the rest of that. All those things, you don't have to be a church to do them. But the one thing that the church does that nobody else can do is we exist as a worshiping community. And our worship is not stump worship. And it's not weed worship, as I said that Sunday. Um, we're, not, we're not just, you know, yay. And we're not just serious. We are alive rooted and reaching in our worship. The other thing is that we are, we're about this collision, this mission with the world. It's going to carry us beyond ourselves. And so we're going to do things like go to the park and worship. And we're going to do things like Alpha. We want to serve in our community because this is who we're supposed to be. And that's that globe that is a part of our vibe. And then Ron spoke last week about how the Apostle Paul would go and he would share the gospel by listening. Listening to a culture. Listening to a people. Listening to their cell phones. That's <laughs> great. Uh, that, as long as we're having fun. As long as we're having fun. But we want, we want to be people, like, let's, let's not be socially awkward. Like, let's know how to have a conversation with people and do that. This is important to the cause of Jesus in the kingdom. And then this last one is what we're talking about tonight, a balloon. Let's have fun. Let's learn. Let's make it part of our spiritual discipline. Again, you might be here tonight and your life is a wreck. And you're like, fun is not on my agenda, dude. I'm struggling. And we don't ever want to make light of that. But let's remember the glory and the hope that we have. And let's share it with each other in the midst of suffering. We celebrate life in the kingdom of God and invite other people into the party. I love that Tony Campolo message. The kingdom of God is a party. And where he throws a party um, for a prostitute at 3 a.m. at this diner that he had gone to in, in Hawaii. And people are blown away. Then he says, yeah, I'm a preacher. And Jesus loves you, and that's why I'm doing this. We need to be those kinds of people. And so let's make parties a serious part of our mission. When we do Alpha this fall, we'll be a part of it with, with New Life Downtown and First Prez. And this, is, this isn't just, hey, we're going to evangelize the city. It is, let's invite the community to a party. Let's have serious fun, and let's, let's have real conversations about faith. And that is the experience that people have over and over again at Alpha, is that, wow, this is fun. You people aren't as dorky as I thought you were going to be. Thank you, I think. Uh, the conversation that we're going to have this summer, let's have fun. Let's have fun with that conversation. It's not, it, it, we're going to get to know each other. You people are fun. I'm fun, I think. Help me find it. Okay. Um, Church in the park next week, potlucks, all these things. This is about who we are in Jesus and enjoying our God. I think it's the Westminster Confession, isn't it? That says, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. Right? Close, something like that. All right, thanks.
Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Checked off by another priest. It's good. <laughs> so, tomorrow is Memorial Day. It's a great example of serious fun. Most people are just going to have a barbecue and forget the cause. We, we really have a reason to celebrate Memorial Day. People have laid down their lives for us to have the freedoms that we enjoy. There have been great sacrifices. Even those who are opposed to war, at this moment we have to stand in awe of the sacrifices that have been made and to say, God, thank you for the freedoms we enjoy. And what do we do? We grill hot dogs and burgers. And we get together with family and friends. And we picnic. And that is good. That's serious fun. We come to a table every week that is serious fun because this is the way that it's been opened up to us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, you see each one of us tonight and where we're at. You see the things that we carry that are heavy and Lord, sometimes when we are carrying those heavy things, that's all we see and feel. And we need to also lift up our eyes and give you thanks for the blessings and the provisions that you make in the midst of the struggle. And Lord, there are those among us tonight who they are so grateful and thankful. And they have experienced great blessing this week. And they know to thank you. May their testimonies encourage those who are struggling. And may we be a people who can rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those who suffer. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so wise that you don't tell us to try to get enlightened over our suffering, but to invite you into it and to cast our cares upon you because you do care for us. Lord, as we come in prayer tonight, would you hear our prayers? Because you are, have ascended to the right hand of the Father. And let us know that we have your ear. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.